Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That was a behold moment for me. That was a behold, you might actually make it through the book of Matthew. <laughs> Now, it's just interesting how verse 13 is worded when it says, And they were departed. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee words. That verse is expressing it kind of like this. When the wise men were departed, and Joseph felt all abandoned and all alone, Just at that moment, the angel came to Joseph and gave Joseph the direction for what he should do. So, again, you know, Joseph's in another one. He's getting used to this in his life, you know, this what should I do situation. Just like when he found out that Mary was pregnant and he didn't know what to do. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him what to do. Take her to be your wife. So, again, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and he directs him what to do. It's kind of interesting how... The Joseph in the Old Testament was directed by dreams, and the Joseph in the New Testament is directed by dreams. He's told, run away to Egypt. That's what the Greek word means. It means run away, or escape, or vanish. Vanish is another meaning of that Greek word. Vanish into Egypt. Vanish, just disappear. It reminds me of a customer I had one time in the 80s, and he was in charge of a big university laboratory in Italy, And he and his boss were involved in some kind of a scheme that I really didn't want to know about, where they would buy laboratory equipment at a high price using the Italian government money. And then all I knew is that he started driving expensive cars and got a villa here and a villa there, you know, on his $40,000 a year salary, so forth, you know. Nah, this would never happen in Italy. Let me guarantee you that. (laughs) And I just always felt it was just dangerous to be around him, you know. One day I met him at a restaurant in Milan, and he came in, and he always dressed in very expensive clothes, you know. And he came in, and he was wearing these really old clothes with holes in it. You know, I remember his jacket had a hole in it. And I said, Salvatore, I said, why are you dressed like that? And he told me that he was under investigation by the Italian government. And so he had to look like, he said, I had to look like nothing. I had to look like nothing now. Anyway, so you had to look like nothing. And then I said, well, what about your boss? He said, oh, he has, he has to disappear. <laughs> he has to vanish, he said. <laughs> well, Joseph was told to disappear. Joseph was told to vanish into Egypt. So as a baby or as a young child, the Lord Jesus is in this trouble with Mary and Joseph. And the whole family has to run away into Egypt. This pretty much sets the course for the life of the Lord Jesus on earth. It was just going to be a life of trouble, 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 running away from this, running away from these people who want to kill him, escaping in the midst and so forth. Sort of like Job described his life, a life of man, really. He described it, Job said in Job 5, 7, 
Job 5.7, he said, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. In this chapter, we're going to see something here. It quotes this verse in, in Hosea 11.1. 1. It's going to be this mysterious association of the Lord Jesus with the nation of Israel. Mysterious association of the Lord Jesus with the Jewish people. And the Lord here is persecuted now. He's persecuted from the time he's a baby. And there's going to be this mysterious association with the persecutions of the Jewish people. Just like David said in Psalm 129.2, Psalm 129.2, many a time have they persecuted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. And that's kind of a history of the Jewish people. Many a time persecuted, afflicted from the youth, but they've not prevailed against me. Just like the Tsar one time was asked a question in Russia, the Tsar one time was asked a question, what is the greatest proof of God? The Tsar was asked. The Tsar said, the greatest proof of God is the Jew. That's the greatest proof of God. Jewish people constantly are slated for death. They're persecuted to death by, well, you name it, the Spaniards, the Italians, Russians, who, well, you know, just on and on. And yet they continue to survive. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Now, here is Herod. He's trying to kill the Lord Jesus as a baby. And the question is, is this really the whole situation? Is it just simply a Roman governor here just trying to get rid of a competitor? Is there something else behind the scenes? And there is. And the something else that's behind the scenes with regard to Herod is described to us in Revelation 12.4. In Revelation 12.4 shows us what's behind the scenes. And when we read it, it's a fantastic description here, but here's how it reads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Who is this woman? Well, this, you could say the woman's Mary. You could say the woman's the nation of Israel. Who's the child? Undoubtedly, the Lord Jesus. And as soon as he's born, the dragon's there wanting to destroy him. Dragon, of course, is Satan in this. And the dragon is standing for the woman to destroy the Lord as soon as he's born through Herod. This is the situation. So this starts, as I mentioned here, this course of persecution of the Lord. And then the Lord later on, when he's going to command his disciples, he tells them, he gives them an instruction in Matthew 10, 23, Matthew 10, 23, when he tells them, when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not go over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So when the Lord said that, when they persecute in this city, flee to another, the Lord was speaking from his own experience. This is what happened to him. And it started off when he was just a young child, and it chased out of town. So we can imagine now what Joseph is thinking when he hears the instruction from the angel in verse 13. Flee into Egypt. Run away. Escape. And like you said, you know, Joseph must have been sitting there thinking, Egypt? Egypt? For a place of refuge from my Jewish family? Egypt's got to be the worst place in the world for a Jewish family to find shelter in. Been a place of death for the Jewish people. But here again, faith fights back those dark thoughts 
and faith, Joseph's faith trusts in God. Now, and so if God commands Egypt to protect this little Jewish family, then Egypt's going to protect this, this family of Joseph. And again, there's so much that we cannot see. On the surface, it looks like Joseph is instructed, go down to Egypt to be kept safe, but there's something more. There's something more than just a Herod that's mad and an angel that tells him to go down to Egypt, and he goes down to Egypt. And again, what's happening behind the scenes is given to us in Revelation. In Revelation 12, 16, Revelation 12, 16, where it says, the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So that was the flood to destroy the Lord. And it said the earth opened up. But how could the earth help save the Lord as a baby? Because Psalm 24, Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. So how could Egypt save the life of the Lord by protecting his Jewish family? Because Egypt is the Lord's. Egypt is the Lord's. And again, Joseph might look at Egypt and say, oh, no, not Egypt. But God looks at Egypt and says, oh, yes, Egypt. It's interesting that God sent the family to Egypt because looking at it from Egypt's point of view, Egypt has a glory, something to brag about, something really good, and Egypt has a shame, something really bad. I mean, uh, the really bad part, as I mentioned, is that it was a place of death for the Jewish male babies. And, but Egypt was also the incubator for the Jewish people to become a nation. I told you the story before. When I was sitting next to this man on an airplane, I said, where are you from? And he said to me, Egypt. And I thought to myself, this is really interesting. Here is a man, an Egyptian, Egypt, from Egypt, sitting next to a man who's a Jew. And so I said to him, I said, oh, Egypt, I said, my people had a great time in Egypt. (laughs) I told him, I said, oh, you were so hospitable. You opened up your arms. We came. You gave us the best land to live in, Goshen. It was wonderful. We grew and grew and grew. And that was a problem, a problem, a problem for you. Not for us. He didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so he's wondering about it until I finally says, oh, and when we left, it was such a famous time that they wrote a whole book about it called The Leaving. And he didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, oh, we had a great leader who took us out. He let us out. His name was Moses. Oh, then he understood. Okay. So, <laughs> so that was a time of something good for Egypt, and that was a time of shame. Just like Germany. Just like Germany. Germany was a place where Jews thrived. I mean, not to mention Einstein, but anyways, a lot of Jews. So what's interesting about this Egypt that has a time of good and has a time of shame, it's like God is giving the country of Egypt, the nation of Egypt, a chance to change their reputation. Because the next time you see an Egyptian, you should tell him how appreciative you are of his country providing a place of protection for the Lord Jesus. So This is all very dramatic. Everything in these first few chapters of Matthew is a lot. It's pretty dramatic. I mean, you know, we barely recover from reading that there was no room for God the Son to be born in, and he has to get born in a barn and laid in a feeding trough. So, you know, we're no sooner recovering from that than we come to verse 13 where it says, run away, flee, vanish into Egypt. How do you process this? I mean, that the caretaker's of the Lord, Jesus, are told to take the Savior of the world 
and run for their lives as fugitives into Egypt. How can all this be that the king of the universe is running away to save his life? How do you process this? I mean, what are the implications of this? What conclusion? Well, first, as I mentioned, you process this by seeing that there has been and there has come to a pinnacle this conflict between light and darkness. So that's the first thing we see in this. There's a conflict between light and darkness. And the second, you see that he's on the run to save his life from sinful people that want to take his life until the right time. Until the right time when he will give his life for the sins of man. And the third thing that you conclude from reading this and trying to process all this is the deep humility of the Lord that he would allow himself to be on the run for his life. All right, now, we read that the Lord told Joseph that he was to remain in Egypt until God brought him word that the coast was clear. Now, now, we don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know how long the family stayed in Egypt. We don't even know exactly where they were in Egypt, although there are some accounts, but we don't know. As a matter of fact, just on the whole, we don't know a lot about the childhood of the Lord. Very little is written during those 30 years The only thing we get, I mean, it's like it was all behind a big wall. We're on the outside of this wall. He's on the inside. And the only thing that we get is a rose that's thrown over the wall when we find out that when he was 12 years old that he went and disputed with the experts in the synagogue. And then he told his mother that he had to be about his father's business. And we don't know very little. That's it. That's all we really get. But this word until, he says the word until, the angel tells, until, you stay there in Egypt until. It shows how temporary Egypt was. And even though he was was a baby God, the father made it abundantly clear that he wasn't going to stay in Egypt. And that's interesting. You are only to keep the child there for a temporary time. Why? Probably got down there like the Jews in Goshen, and not bad, not bad. What's to complain about? But they were only there for a temporary time. You may say 400 years is a temporary time. It was a temporary time. (laughs) And true with the Lord, too. He was only going to be there for a temporary time. Why? Because, same reason for both, Egypt is a Gentile place. Egypt is a Gentile place. And God the Father sent the Lord Jesus into the world for one purpose, well, of course, to die from all men, but the purpose that he sent him there for, he was sent there, and he said, the Lord Jesus said, why he was sent by God the Father, when he said in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That really means that God the Father sent God the Son to the Jewish people. And for that reason, it was imperative that the family don't settle down too much because you've got to go back to the Jewish homeland. So he was sent to the Jewish people, and his orders when he was sent to the Jewish people is given to us in Isaiah 49, verse 5. Isaiah 49, verse 5, where we get what his orders were. And now saith the Lord that for me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him. And then he goes on, though Israel be not gathered. So what are these words? 
that he was formed from the womb to bring Jacob again to God, that a body was prepared for him for this purpose in Hebrews 10.5, Hebrews 10.5, wherefore when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So when you put all this together, it leads us really to get a very clear picture that the body, the human body, was prepared for God the Son, and God the Father is saying to God the Son at this time, here's the body that has been prepared for you. You are to use this to bring Israel back to God, to bring the Jewish people back to God. There's many times when they had to come back to God, unfortunately, that's their history. But it's interesting how the Lord was kept in Egypt, but he says, no, just for a temporary time, and then you're going to come out when Herod dies. Because it was like, in fact, a lot of the Lord's life had this until part of it. You're to be kept in Egypt until you're going to go out into Israel. You're going to have an earthly ministry until the hour comes when you're going to go to the cross to die for the sins of man. So, The angel tells Joseph that Herod is trying to destroy the young child. Well, that's all Joseph needed to hear. And Joseph is like, okay, I'm going right away. Joseph, in this regard, is so different as a contrast to Lot, especially Lot's wife. Because really, Lot and his wife were told something very similar in Sodom, where he lived, in Genesis 19.15. In Genesis 19.15, when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And then it's really bad words about Lot. It says, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and sent him without the city. You know, when people today, when they hear the gospel message that judgment's coming, that it's time to escape, to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, people really fall into one of these two categories. They either fall into the the category of Lot and Lot's wife, and that's a category of lingering, which basically means not coming. Or they fall into the category of Joseph with an immediate response. I mean, Joseph didn't linger. Joseph didn't argue with God like Lot actually did. Didn't argue with God. He, he just obeyed God. Joseph is so ready to obey that immediately he takes the child, the young child, and Mary, and they go down. You see that in verse 14. When he arose, when he arose, verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. It was night. As a matter of fact, it was probably this night that he ha- has his dream. He has his dream, and he wakes up from the dream, and he jumps out of bed, and he gathers up everybody and said, we're going right now. And so he leaves in the night because he's afraid. And also, he thinks this is the perfect time to leave because I don't want Herod's men to be told they went that away, you know, and I want to cover the tracks as I go because, you know, they got a horseback and I don't. Anyway, I need a big head start getting down to Egypt. So this little detail in verse 14 is kind of important. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Shows us how critical this was for Joseph to get out of town fast. Now, again, there's a lot we don't know about what happened there in Egypt. That's kind of like the Bible. There are many, many details that we are not told. But the details that we are given in the Bible, just in general, as a rule, 
are given to us by God to lead us, to lead us, as John put it, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and God the Son. Okay, so those are the details. But anyway, what we do know is when they come back, in verse 15, when they come back, where it says, And it was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So they're in Egypt until Herod dies. From Josephus, the Jewish historian, we know that Herod died when he was 70 years old, and he had ruled in Judea for about 37 years. And that's what Josephus tells us, but it's not in the Bible because it's not important. This return that they make back from Egypt is now said to be a fulfillment of the prophecy in uh, Hosea 11.1, 1, which says, when Israel was a child, then I loved him, called my son out of Egypt. All right, now, let me just ask you. So, you know, you sit down for a good read, and you're, ha- you're reading through the book of Hosea, and you come across this first verse in the 11th chapter, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And you read that, what would you think? I mean, you're just reading, you know, what would you think? I mean, you, of course, you would think of history in Exodus, what you think of, you know, you think of Exodus 2.23. Exodus 2.23, where it says, you know, in the process of time, the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Oh, you know, you read that, you think, okay, Israel was oppressed as a slave. They're crying out to God. God hears their cry. And you remember that the next chapter, chapter 3 of Exodus, it's got in it. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up into a good land. So, you know, you understand all this, and then you know that in the next part there in Exodus, there's just this little misunderstanding that comes between Moses as to who made the mouth. But finally, Moses more or less comes around, and eventually, uh, you know, Israel's delivered. So that's what you would think when you read Hosea 11.1. This is a synopsis, it's a summary of that history. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. You say, okay, you know, God saw that Israel and Egypt, as his son, as a young child, and God called the Jewish people out of Egypt. Okay. When you read that, would that scripture have struck you as a prophecy of something that was going to happen? I mean, you know, you got to be honest and say, no. You know, you, you wouldn't see this scripture that way. But in our chapter, in verse 15, in Matthew 2.15, this scripture in Hosea 11.1 1 is said to be a prophecy that was fulfilled when the Lord Jesus returned from Egypt. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God Fellowship and Tom Cantor would like to invite you to our Seder message and traditional Passover dinner on Sunday, April 14th from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Come join us for a special night of music, food, and a biblical perspective on the Passover Seder. Experience this event in our brand new venue, The Vine, located near the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. The cost of this event is $25 per person, and the last day to sign up is Sunday, April 7th. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 